Today we celebrate the memorial of St. John Vianney. St. John Vianney was a 19th century uh, French uh, diocesan priest. And, you know, you have the difference between priests who are in religious orders and then priests who are uh, diocesan priests, meaning they're, they're directly under a bishop. There's quite a bit of difference between the two. Um, and uh, when we look in the history of the saints, most saints are religious. They're in religious orders. Um, there's very few diocesan priests who become saints. Very few. I think there's maybe four or five. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you know, I, maybe I'm, I'm in the wrong business. I should have gotten to the religious life. But um, but St. John Vianney is one of the few exceptions. That's, that's what makes him so amazing. And he's the patron of... Uh, parish priests. In his day, he grew up in a France that was under the, the reign of terror in the French Revolution. And uh, priests by the thousands, uh, as well as religious, were being killed, guillotined. And uh, it, was a, it was a terrible time uh, for the church. The church was devast- devastated. <clears throat> and many of the more radical elements of the French Revolution wanted to absolutely eliminate the Catholic Church in France, like completely destroy it so that it didn't exist anymore. I mean, that's how serious they were about trying to get rid of the Catholic Church. So uh, this is the place where, this is the time where St. John Vianney grew up, and he, he grew up with uh, traveling priests coming to farmhouses and offering mass and secrets and things like that. So he, these guys became his heroes, and he wanted to, to grow up and be a priest. Um, in 1802 or 1803, I think it was, Napoleon came to power, and that was bad in many ways, but in, in many ways it was good because uh, Napoleon had an agreement with the church, and so then the church was allowed to flourish again under the reign of Napoleon, and it could, it could you know, there was freedom of religion uh, to an extent. So St. John Vianney was ordained after, soon after that, and... He was put in the, the little town, little parish of Ars. Uh, only 250 people in this town, very small. And no one went to Mass. No one. Like maybe three or four elderly people went to Mass. That's it. Okay? On Sundays, a Sunday Mass. So everybody else, they were farmers and they they worked. Sometimes they worked on Sunday even, but if, if not, they... Uh, they frequented the taverns, so the taverns were not empty of people. They were very well attended, uh, but the but the church was not. The church was very small. If you go, you can go to ours to this day, and you can see the original size of the church. It was probably about, I would say, a quarter of the of the size of this church. Very very small church. No one was there. So here he comes. He shows up, and this is his job. He's got to convert this town. Okay, and uh, and he's successful in doing it. It's quite remarkable. After a, a few years, he, there was upwards of 20,000 people coming through ours to see him because of his, his uh, reputation for holiness and especially his work as a confessor. In the winter hours, in the winter days when the hours were, the hours of daylight were shorter, he would be in the confessional for 11 hours a day. And then when it was summertime and there was more light out, he was in the confessional of 16 hours a day. So he was known, that's what he was known for, for being a confessor. So everybody would just come from all over France, all over Europe, really, to, to go and to see him and to, and to confess to him. And he was known for reading souls so he could tell you, you know, if you were hiding any sins from him, you know, he'd know what they were. 
If he had forgotten any sins, he would know what they were. And so he was a very holy man who worked miracles and uh, was gifted with many supernatural graces, and that was one of the reasons why people came to him. In our in our gospel text today, we see something very interesting, uh, and it's amazing that Jesus himself, I mean, you, you would think this is Jesus is the greatest preacher, the most charismatic, you know, guy that you could possibly imagine. He comes to his native town, and people are not impressed. In fact, they're offended. And he really can't, he doesn't really convert people. He's not successful in his mission amongst them. And he's got to just turn around and go to other people. That's pretty sad. It's pretty tragic. I think in a lot of ways, that's where we're at today in Western civilization. In Europe and in America, we're so used to Christianity, it's like this is Jesus' home. And we know, we know, we know him for, we've known him forever. Who, who does this guy think he is? We're not impressed with him anymore. There's no novelty left to Christianity. I remember once I was in SUNY Albany, this is where I went to college for my undergraduate degree, and, uh, there was a, Ch- a Chinese man who was fresh off the boat from China, and religion is very much suppressed in China. So he, this young guy had grown up without ever hearing about Christianity. Never. Never even heard of it. Period. Zero. <laughs> so I actually started telling about Jesus. And all the Americans that were in the room, little by little, just left. They were embarrassed. They were, they didn't want to hear it. And they all just left. He was spellbound. Absolutely spellbound. Was amazed uh, about the gospel. And I just told him a simple thing. You know, there's this idea that basically we're all alienated from God and there's a certain kind of emptiness in the depths of our souls and uh, we're, we're fundamentally missing something and we're, needing for, we're in need of forgiveness for our sins. And God himself actually came out of love to die for us so that there could be a kind of a payback so that our sins could be forgiven and that our relationship with God could be uh, reestablished and that emptiness in our souls could be filled. And he was just amazed. It was just totally astounded him. And uh, he eventually became, I haven't traced his path, but he did, he eventually became very serious about Catholicism at some point. I just, I was hearing through the grapevine. But I was honored to be able to be this guy that was the first person to tell him about Christianity. And, uh, you know, you notice all the other people who they probably had grown up, they probably were baptized. They didn't want to hear about it. So it's it's very sad, and I think there was something similar in St. John Vianney's day. Uh, France was about as Catholic as you can possibly get. And the radicals who were sick of Catholicism wanted to destroy it and eliminate it. And they almost did. Uh, and so after the French Revolution, the religious landscape of France was devastated. No one was going to Mass. No one cared about religion. So St. John Vianney had a very uh, difficult time. You know, his, he was in the same situation, I think, of Christ in his own hometown. And uh, so how was he successful? And I think this is the takeaway for all of us. He was true to his vocation. And I think that's what what is the key to it for all of us, whether we're a mother, whether we're a wife, whether we're a priest. We need to be true to our vocation and do what we've already been given the job to do, but to do it really, really, really well and to take it super seriously. And that's what he did. St. John Vianney took his, his status as a parish priest so seriously. He would do everything, you know, benediction, confession, saying mass, 
catechism with the kids. All these basic things. There's nothing extraordinary. He didn't do anything wild or extraordinary. He just did the normal, ordinary stuff that he was supposed to do. But he did it to the hilt and with amazing love and incredible zeal. And that's what was the secret of the conversion of his people and that area of France uh, due to his labor. So for all of us, whatever our state of life is, we need to just take it really seriously and uh, um, with great zeal embrace it with love and to do our job the best that we possibly can. And we'll stick out, that's the thing, because people today are totally lost. They don't have a vocation. The whole idea of marriage and motherhood and, and being a parent uh, and being a husband and a wife is really under serious attack and it's falling to pieces and it's decaying. Um, and people are lost. So whenever someone is true to their actual God-given vocation, you really stick out and you, and you make a difference. Uh, so let's, let's pray for our um, civilization that's very tired of Christianity but yet is very, very lost knowing and trusting in God that if we're true to our our calling and our individual vocation, uh, we'll make a difference.